Tom Panos, John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent, back here again. John, how are you? Good, Tommy. I love the way you say that. It's got a beautiful ring to it. I've always been, <laughs> I've been told if you start strong, you'll finish strong. <laughs> That's what I'm banking on here for the next 15 minutes. Good. Uh, hope our listeners, uh, I don't know where you are at the moment, potentially you're driving along, but uh, hopefully we're going to give you a bit of information that's going to help the next interaction you have with a buyer or seller or potential vendor negotiation. John, I love this term. I heard you say it four or five years ago at one of our real estate gyms where you said care but don't care too much. Care but not that much, right. Care but not that much. What's that mean? Well, I'll just show you the background to it. The best book I ever read on negotiation was by a guy called Herb Cohen. And funnily enough, one day he was in town. So I went and met him. He was doing a talk and, and I took him aside and I just told him that I'd read his book and I loved it. And I said, what is the one piece of information you can give me? And I'm going back 25 years here. And he said, John, care, but not that much. And I got it because I'd read the book. But that was his, his one pearl of wisdom. And again, out of context, a lot of stuff we do, you and I explain it because what's important for us, Tom, and for all our listeners is everything must be done in a context of integrity and positive intention. Yeah. So that care but not that much doesn't mean to be arrogant, but it means in the negotiation, you give away your power if you're too needy. So if you're desperate for a deal or desperate for the offer to be accepted or desperate for the listing and people pick up on that, you've actually given away your power. So what you really need to do is, is I think you use the word detach yourself a little bit from it, and you need to be less needy and kind of look, you know, this would be great if it comes together. I was just talking to someone the other day, real conversation, and I just said, and this is, this is the position we're in, we're, we're looking at doing a deal together, which is good, and I said, the nice thing is you know, neither of us needs to do this deal. So I suspect that's a great thing for both of us because unless it's a win-win, it won't be sustainable, and neither of us will do the deal. And that's actually a real scenario that I'm involved in at the moment. And that's how every negotiation, we need to get to that point where, you know, the offer you've made, Tom, with respect of 800,000, it's not going to tempt the vendor. Uh, vendors at 850 firm, I think these are the reasons 850 is a really great price. Um, if this home at 850 doesn't suit you, I'm very happy to keep looking for another home for you uh, at around 800,000. But this is not one that you're going to secure for 800 and I don't want to mislead you. So why don't you just give me a call when you're ready, no hurry, and if you want to match the 850, we'll do business, which would be great. So, and I, I just did that mini role play so people could hear the tonality. And then rather than saying, oh look, I really think this is worth a bit more than 800 and you know, you should pay more, and you get that almost needy energy, yeah. and people pick up and they say, no, 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 800's all I'm going for. Whereas when the people, when I say to them, you know, if not, we'll find you another home for 800 over the next few weeks. There's no problem. I, if this doesn't work for you at 850, I understand and respect that, and I'll just find you another one. And then they say, what do you mean another one? I want that. And I say, yeah. yeah, but my job is to tell you what you have to do to own the home, not to bid and potentially offend the vendor. Yeah. You want to own it. Your family loves it. been looking for three months. I'm telling you that at 850, you'll own it. And at 850, I personally think it's fair market value. And here's why. John, I must share a story with you that actually shows a very similar detachment. Uh, some time ago, I was doing an auction. The reserve was 1-1. One, one. Um, the owner actually was prepared to take uh, a million, and they'd set a reserve of 1-1. One, one. But the million was what they wanted to get. It got to 950, and uh, the buyer stopped. The agent went over to the buyer, 
Um, he basically gave him a verbal barrage of 150 reasons why he should buy this property, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of it, he'd, he was huffing and puffing, and you could tell he was, you know, the term you use, needy. He was yeah. coming across desperate and needy, and the buyer just looked at him and said, no, yeah. I'm the highest. I went over to the agent. I said, listen, just relax. You know, relax. He goes, it's okay for you. He goes, you're getting your four or $500 auctioneers. Get your money. You don't care. He goes, you know, I've been working on this for four weeks. As I got up to pick up the board, I just went over to the buyers and I said, guys, you know, all the best with it. Um, um, that's it. We're out of here. I picked up the board, John. I put it in the car. And as I was about to drive off, closed the door, the buyer waved to me. And I just waved back. <laughs> I thought, what's going on here? They called me over. They said, oh, what happens now? I said, well, that's, they, I said, that's it. They said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to my next auction. And they said, but we want to buy the property. And, and I said, yeah, well, you're not, you know, that's the number. It's got to be a million dollars. And they said, so what you're saying, they won't even take 960. I said, no. They won't even take 970. I said, no. They said, so you're saying we're here. They won't even take 980. And in a matter of 30 seconds, John, by basically just telling people the truth, detached, not yeah. coming across desperate, in fact, looking like I'm in a hurry to get out of there, these people increased their own offer to 9.85 versus an agent begging them to pay. I think, I think buyers can smell desperation a mile away, can't they? Exactly, Tom. And, you know, I say this to my team all the time, that negotiation is rarely about money. It's often about ego. And, all, and both sides want to be satisfied they've got the best deal they can. Uh, vendor says a million, but, or a million one, or whatever is the number, but at the end of the day, if they are absolutely satisfied that the best offer has been extricated from the market, they will normally say yes. So it's your job to help them feel comfortable that you've extracted the best offer from the market. And again, with the buyer, I mean, as you said, the buyer, you know, look, they're not going to take 960. They're saying no to 970. At 980, they're going to own, they're going to keep owning the home, and and that all of a sudden takes away their feeling they could have got better. So I think you're right. You handle that beautifully. It's clear, clean, without attachment, and and that that kind of attracts people to want to do that that business. Um, so it yeah, it it shouldn't. It's certainly not arrogant. It's not blasé. It's just not needy. So you've got to find that fine line. It's like a lot of things in life that I think success comes down to. It, it, you've got to find that fine line in the middle. If you go too much on the I don't care that much side, you'll, yeah. you'll sound like you're arrogant and you, don't, you literally could care less, which is not what you want to hear. But if you're too desperate, it goes the other way. But somewhere in the middle, you're saying, look, I want to, I want to sell you this home. I think it's a fine home. I think at asking price, it's great value. If you want to pay that, that's great. If not, there's no problem in the world. I'm happy to find you something else at a lower budget. Yeah. But I'm just letting you know, at anything under a million, this is not selling. And the way uh, an agent, John, responds to that first offer at a buyer, talking about a private treaty situation, or we're not talking about an, at, at an auction, but uh, where you're handling an offer. The way an agent handles that first offer is pretty critical, isn't it? Because it defines what's going to happen next. Um, in many ways, I see sometimes an agent, they get an offer and they give hope to that buyer right. that there's a chance. In many ways, they're educating and pre-framing that buyer, hang in there, there is a chance we might get it. And that's not usually a good strategy, is it? Not at all. And the savvy negotiator on the other side of the table will pick up on that and they will stand very firm. So if they say, Tom, I'd like you to offer 800 
often I'll say, could, I, could you tell me why you're offering 800? Well, I just, I'd like you to offer 800. I understand that, but the asking price is 900, and at 900 you'll own it. At 800 you won't, so why are we offering 800? Well, I'd like to start there. Well, here's my concern, that if we start there, that's going to send the wrong signal to the client. We won't even get on the negotiation table. Uh, I've told them, and I agree with them, I think 900's fair market. Uh, I think we should be at 900. You know, you want to secure the home, don't you? And, you ha and again, it, it's a respectful conversation, yeah. but it's unearthing. And at least it's letting them know that they're not going to snap a bargain out of this home. And some of them, to be fair, some of them will say, look, John, at 801, I can't afford any more. So I'm happy for you to tell me they won't take 800 and, and you and I can look for another home. But I'm, in which case, then we look for another home. Well, you'd, you'd take the offer to the vendor, but it look, doesn't sound too hopeful at that point. But you're right, if you say, okay, 800, all right, let me call you back and where are you going to be tonight? So your initial response to that offer says a lot to the buyer, and then they'll say to their partner or whoever they're buying with, hey, you know, great, the agent's taking the offer and they sounded enthusiastic. So all of a sudden their expectation is they're in the game. Yeah. Versus the way I handled it before, it's like, I've got to tell you, Tom, at 800, we're not even going to get on the negotiation table, let alone not going to own it. And the reality is I've got six or seven people wanting to see this home over the next few days. Assuming that is the reality, never fabricate this stuff. Um, and I don't want to ring you tomorrow and tell you that we exchange a contract at 9.30am at 900 and then you spend the next six months regretting it. I'd rather just say to you now, I think we need to go in at full price and secure the home for you. So it's very important. I'm, I'm glad you started with this because the initial response is, is critical. Your reaction, your body language. So it, body language is negotiation, isn't it, John? I mean, Big part of it. Yeah, big part of it. Your tonality. You, um, I mean, in Herb Cohen's book, I think it is, he, he talks about flinching. When someone says 800, you sort of, you pull back and you 800. Yeah. And, and then you, their response often will be, well, look, I've got more. I'm going to pay more, but I've got to start the ball rolling. So I guess, you know, his concept of flinching, you know, which is quite a dramatic one, but it, it is exactly what you and I have just said in a verbal sense. It's a physical response to suggest to someone that that's way low, that offer. So you're, in a sense, if you like using the word again, conditioning yeah. them to have to pay more and want to pay more. John, you've employed thousands of agents over the years all over the place, come and gone, and you see a lot of agents, and I see agents. What's your view? Is negotiation something that people are born with? Is it something that they can learn? Is there people got a predisposition to it? Everything in sales can be learned. And there's probably some people that have a slightly better natural bent towards it. But anyone in sales can learn negotiation. And the stuff, hopefully, on our podcast, these are kind of like mini lessons on how you can do things. So if you take on board what we're saying around negotiation, care but not that much. Shift your energy so you're in, you're in that discussion. So a light globe goes up says, OK, I'm in a negotiation now. My initial response is going to be important. My energy around not being too needy and being detached is going to be really important. Having a, showing a preparedness to walk away from the deal actually attracts people towards the deal. My desperation to have to do the deal pushes people back and makes them stand on their price more. So I think that's really critical. A uh, couple of little tips, Tom. I think there are, you know, I've said before about negotiation being as much about ego and saving face and believing you've got the best deal more than money. Occasionally, money is a factor because you haven't got any more of it, but at the end of the day, most people got a bit more. Um, so how do you extract that out? 
So giving people little wins. So I'll often say to a vendor, Tom, I know these people haven't sold their home yet, and I know you haven't found one yet. The contract says six weeks. What if I stood firm on price for you, because I want to maximise your price, but I offer them the opportunity to have a 12-week settlement? Could you make that work for you? And then you might say, John, that doesn't worry us in the slightest. In fact, we'd probably prefer that. So at least that's a small trade-off or a win I can give the buyer. Yeah. I can say, look, I've got some, some good news on price, as I expected, their price is firm, and I think it should be. I've recommended to them that I think it's worth every cent of their asking price. However, knowing you hadn't sold, I have been able to get them to agree to an extended settlement. So we're able to do that. I mean, I've seen negotiations won or lost over dishwashers being included yeah. or not being included. That's not, a, that's not a sensible, logical reason to lose a deal. That's an ego. Um, save face area. So I think you've, you've got the opportunity to do small trade-offs that give people a sense of having a win, but protecting the price at the same token. Yeah, well look, I, as you're talking, I'm actually thinking about my own personal behaviour over the years in buying or selling items or services, and I want to feel like I've had a win, and I'm pretty certain that um, the other person on the other side many times has felt that they've had a win. And I think that's what they mean by win-win, that actually both people have left thinking it's been good for me. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's critical, and especially if it's an ongoing relationship or negotiation. Um, you know, you, you need both parties to feel that they've walked away being treated fairly and having got a fair deal. Um, and you've got to balance that with the fact that you're acting for a vendor, you need to maximise price. So, you know, you need to tread that line. Um, but I think a buyer can maximise their offer and still feel they've been treated well and they've bought it at a fair price. That's a matter of you making sure that your communication makes them understand where the value lies within this property. Yeah. Okay, so we've been talking about negotiation and I think that 15 minutes does not do justice to actually a topic which is something that agents are doing all the time, every minute of the yeah. day. I mean, that's really, if you think about the job, it is negotiation, isn't it? Uh, Almost every every day you're negotiating. I mean, you know, outside of work, you're negotiating with your kids, you're negotiating with your spouse. It's around, you know, this is important stuff. And don't try too many of these strategies on your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the concept... The, the, the concept is somewhat similar that, you know, you do you need to have people feel like they've won and that'll often move them forwards and sometimes a little inclusion in a real estate metaphor, a little inclusion, a little bit of extra settlement, a little bit of vendor finance, um, all these sort of things are, uh, uh, are, are pretty important. Okay, so as we finish off here, one of the things that's becoming very clear, if you're a real estate agent, you've got to understand you're not a messenger, you're actually adding value. You're not just transporting information from one person to another and just dumping it. I mean, facts you're infu machines. You're influencing. You've got to be influencing it. Influencing. That's a, that's, that's, that's a great word to describe what a negotiator does. He's influencing. He's having an effect on an outcome by the way that he presents it. Um, and you're right, Tom, most, most agents that I see that are not skilled negotiators are nothing more than messengers. They're taking an offer from one to the other and then a counter-offer and a counter-offer. And you may as well just put the two together and swap email addresses and they'll find the deal anyway. It's a matter of what energy and strategy and positioning can you bring to the deal as a master salesperson that helps the deal shift forward and maximises the outcome to the vendor. Yeah. 
John, because it's such a, a sophisticated and a deep subject, I think we could branch out and have a number of podcasts throughout the year on negotiating with vendors, yep. negotiating with buyers, negotiating um, at an auction. I think there are so many strands over the weeks that we can do um, this year on negotiation. So we'll be touching back on this subject again. Uh, guys and girls, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Tom.